righty, welcome back, chaotic listeners. Hopefully my mic sounds a little bit better. I think I am pretty happy with the setup currently, so we'll just have a have a crack. I wish I figured it out 30 episodes ago, but, uh, you know, that's what we do. We learn, we move on, we adapt. Um, so testing it out tonight, I come across this movie. It was on Big Pond Movies. It was 99 cents. Why wouldn't I buy it, you know, whatever. It just saves me saved me trying to do it another way. Uh, I've seen it a few times because it had a really interesting cover to it. Uh, it looked very similar to a movie called Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale. And when I saw this movie, the writing was so small on the cover. And I always thought, oh, yeah, Into the Ashes. That looks like Christian Bale side-on holding a rifle with a scope and then Frank Grillo holding a gun. Okay, that's enough for me. I might might get onto that, but I just, just never come around to it. And then, of course, it was 99 cents, so I can't pass that up. So Into the Ashes was a 2019 film. It's only an hour and 38 minutes long. It's not long at all. It's an action crime thriller centered on revenge from a dark past, catching up with a guy's current future. So it's like, or current present, sorry. And um, it's easy. It's got 19 cast members, not many at all. You could say that the cast members, six of them are like legit in-your-face members. The rest of them are just people in the background and it was directed by Aaron Harvey and written by Aaron Harvey. He hasn't done that many movies that I noticed, uh, you know, a couple, uh, one with Bruce Willis, one with uh, William Felcher and then, into, you know, just that's it, nothing much. And the the soundtrack to this, or not soundtrack, but the com- the composer's work on this was, was, was great. I mean, first half anyway was really good to me. It had some really interesting sounds, really ominous tones and things that really set that that scene for you. And yeah, so look, it's basically a man who has a new lease on life, you could say. He's got a middle-class job, he's got a wife, and but he's got a dark past. And you can tell because it's in his eyes, it's in his mannerisms, it's in the way he doesn't sleep at night. And it's in the way that his wife, the father-in-law, does not like him. Why? Because he is the sheriff. So that's pretty cliche. That's happened before. And it's played by Luke Grimes. He's been in, um, you know, a few movies. Nothing major, but, you know, the, oh, well, American Sniper. He was um, Mark Lee. I think he's the one who gets shot in the neck um, and sort of that pushed Bradley Cooper's character over the ledge a little bit. He's in Yellowstone. If you watch Yellowstone, he's done two years there. And um, Fifty Shades of Grey, two episodes. I don't know who he is in that, but I've seen that he was in those. So, you know, he's, he's, he's got his name out there. I don't mind the guy. He's, he looks he, he does all right. Frank Carrillo, of course. Frank Carrillo, he has the same look in every movie. And I think that's a sellable item for certain films. He can play bad. He can play – doesn't play good. He plays gritty. Um, he's either bad or he's worse. I think that's how it works. I liked him in a TV show recently watched that got cancelled called um, Kingdom. It was a, based on the MMA family in the fight cage, in the cage, cage fighting world. That suits him to a T, that type of film. I think he was in Winter Soldier or one of the Avengers movies as the, in the Hydra Hitman Squad type thing. Um, so, you know, he's in prison. Nick isn't in prison. 
So you know something happened. They don't want to tell you that. They'll tell you later on, but it's, it, I don't think they they don't really center it around that. They just center it around revenge. He's out. He wants to find Nick. Nick is nowhere to be found, but he, Sloan, which is Grillo's character, manages to get hold of a private investigator while he's in prison. Once again, you don't know about this at all. He just, he just gets out of prison, goes straight to this place with one of the other members of their past gang. And this scene is a brilliant scene, but there's still a bit of stupid writing in there. Like, it's happened before. He goes to the – He goes to the. Um, the best part about it is you don't know where he's going. He gets out. He's unstable. He wants revenge. You can see it in his eyes because, well, you can just see it. Sloan goes to a private investigator in some abandoned-looking shop. And when he gets in there, the guy's like, ah, it's so good to put a face to the name. And he sits down and he goes, do you get what I want? Like, he's, he doesn't have fucking time to mess around. He's clearly been sitting in prison for however long, they don't tell you. And he really wants to find Nick, obviously, unfinished business. And that's when the private investigator dude, whatever he is, is just comes out and goes, yeah, you know, he's a hard man to find, but I'm thinking, you know, that two grand that we agreed upon, I'm going to need another two grand. And that just that just pisses me off. Uh, they did it in Faster with The Rock um, when The Rock went to Michael Epps. But that was different, right? Because Michael Epps had a massive Samoan bodyguard so he felt safe to renegotiate, but he also had something worth renegotiating. The stuff that he put together was like a police file. It was thick, it had everything, whereas this guy just had a street address and he's asking for four grand total to a guy who just got out of prison who looks so hell-bent on, re- on revenge or, or murdering. You don't know at this time, but you, you have an idea. So I just don't understand that. Maybe it's there. Maybe that part's in the movie for you to go, oh, right, yeah, this guy's, yeah, Sloan's out. He really means business because when he pulls out two grand out of his jacket, puts it down and he goes, here's your two grand. And when old mate comes to grab it, booms, knife straight down through the hand plate and this guy is in agony. Of course, I would never, I wouldn't even imagine what that feels like. So, of course, he takes the address and the $2,000 and then rips the knife out of his hand just the just the level of pain this dude's going through, they centered on that for a little bit more than what they normally would. Most people in movies like this normally calm down after about five seconds and you know it's all bullshit. But in this one, he's yeah, he's in quite a bit of pain. And it's just as Sloan's walking out of the office that he sort of just turns back. And that there, I don't know, you know, does he look worried that this guy's going to tell, tell who, you know, or is he just like, I'm fresh out of prison. I ain't going back. I'm going to be doing some murdering soon, so I might as well start with this guy. You don't see it, but camera goes back to the room and, of course, blood everywhere and, you know, that's it. So that sort of tells you what type of mental state Sloan's in just because some guy tried to extort him out of a little bit of extra cash. And so that's a thought-provoking thing that they do in this movie. And it's really, it's really what harnesses it for me. They do it a lot throughout, especially in the scenes with Nick. You know, you can see he's got a dark past or something's chewing at him. Shower scene when he gets out, he's got this massive scar from the top, top of his collarbone all the way down his chest. And 
staring into a mirror and you can just see sort of going back to whatever it was. They don't give you any flashbacks. There's no flashbacks in this movie, but they just give you sort of like a quiet stare or a, or a little bit of a tone. And those things are really good for movies like this. It's in a, it's filmed in Alabama in a county just southwest of Birmingham. So it's kind of probably considered deepish south, just above Mobile. Mobile sorry. And you know, got a train line running through the town. It's got about 26,000 people in population. So it's not a huge, you know, exciting area to be in. Probably a lot of abandoned buildings and houses. So that gives you that level of alone, aloneness, not aloneness, but um, isolation, you could say. That sets this movie up for me. Isolation always gets you on a bit of edge, lack of, dialogue as well there's not much talking in there there's more thought-provoking things for you to think about but you know it's centered so that's probably why they don't want to take away from this movie is they don't want to take away from the story is that there is one narrative for them to do he's married to the sheriff's daughter so he wants to he knows what's coming for him i guess so he's doing everything to keep her kind of safe and within his in his reach and Sloan has the idea that he's going to take care of business he, and um, he, you know, Nick has this, what do you call it, um, middle-class job, I'd say, at a furniture shop where they repair things um, and he's got a friend there and his new life and you can just tell he's trying to do the right thing even though the sheriff just does not like him and never wanted him around his daughter but you know he can see he finds happiness in his daughter which is tara that's played by marguerite moreau and he's made as sal porter played by james badgedale and the sheriff is um frank parsons played by robert taylor and even he's shade not shady you can see he doesn't it doesn't look like he's slept he's, he's rough he's been a sheriff for so long that he doesn't even wear, really wear the uniform. He just walks around with a gun on his side, but he's got a deputy who doesn't fit into this movie at all for me. The, the nature aspect of this movie sort of goes well with it too. They have a cabin where they go, uh, Sal and Nick go up and work on this cabin, which is owned by the local bar guy that, you know, has got a bit of a connection there too. This, as I said, there's no flashbacks in this movie. It's nothing... You, you, you find everything out as you go. That's, that's an interesting way to do it. Uh, the Out of the Furnace movie with Christian Bale, that was, that was a different type of setup. That's a mining town, or not a mining town, but a town that runs solely off the mill or a, a steel mill. Um, and it's near the Appalachia Trail, I think. So there's a lot of hill people, as they would call them, that live up there. And so that's got a totally different feel there. There's a... There's a lot more crazy in that movie. This this movie's really isolated and they want you to feel the fear and then the revenge and the the that kind of stuff. And it really gets you doing that. It's kinda it's kinda cool how they do that. There's a fair bit of blood violence in it too, a lot of gunshots, that's pretty cool. I mean, what what movie isn't good without that, especially when it's centered around a sort of a thriller action, gritty crime drama, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of a mouthful there. So I tried to pick on a few things with this movie just to see if I could do it. Like sometimes they tell you things you don't really need to know because you can see it coming, but they set it up for you anyway. Like I think there was this part where Nick 
um, was laying on the carpet in his house and they were Sloan and his um, old partners, partners from the dark past were talking to him, so to speak. And they knock over a key onto the floor and it's got a yellow tag in it. And they keep focusing on it a little bit when, when they're doing the scene and you know it's of importance, right? And it's a motel tag. And I'm like, yeah, we don't need to tell us that they're going to be at a motel later on at some point doing something crazy. Like that's, that's – I suppose they want to see if you're paying attention. Maybe you could look like that. Look at it that way. Uh, that's the way I'd look at it because I did pick up something else that when there was this shootout during that motel scene – um obviously i'm telling you things because this is what uh talking about movies is it's more of a, view, a review if you know me by now you know i'm going to say things if you don't want to hear them then i guess you don't have to listen but there's a shootout scene in the motel and it takes forever a cop the different distance between the cop getting there and the shootout and whatnot it's a little bit of a cat and mouse flashback part there with that something happens and then the sheriff rocks up and then he goes it's his flashback to, to how the story was told. And I always thought, well, why didn't people come out of these hotel rooms and check? I don't know. They're probably shit scared, but just peek out a little bit like they do in every other bloody movie. But then when I thought about picking on that, I, I realized earlier on that when Nick rocked up to ask the hotel manager what room these guys were staying in, there were only two keys missing off the, the entire keyboard, which suggested that all the rooms were actually vacant except for these two so yeah that's i almost thought i had something i was thinking oh maybe i've got something here something a little stuff up little you know no they covered that track too that part was pretty cool the ending has a questionable thing to it i'll let you guys be be the judge of that i do like it when they leave it up to you to decide what happened, even though it's probably in the dialogue on the narration. There's a little narration at the start and the end, which is uh, Robert Taylor who does that. And um, narration. Yeah, 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 he narrates. Um, and look, you could think of it one way and you can think of it another. It's up to you. That's, that's up to your individual perspective on it and what you think's right. Like, like they did with um, uh, Law Abiding Citizens with Gerard Butler um at the end they they leave it up to you to sort of feel whether that that was the right thing to have happened to to him in that movie even though i thought it wasn't right but i understand why they did it that way so in this movie they don't do it's not the same not the same as that movie but they do give you the chance to to decide for yourself whether you think it's the right thing to do or the or not the right thing and that's a pretty cool little thing and then then they go to the credits, it's like, oh, it's refreshing. Same with Inception, remember? The spinning totem at the end. It's spinning. We all believe it falls over, but does it? I mean, there's some questions behind that. Oh, I'm not game enough to go down that rabbit hole because uh, Christopher Nolan's brain is not one to be messed with, especially considering he loves stuffing around with time. Um, yeah, so this it was a refreshing movie. It was eerie. It was, you know, dark. It was... You knew what it was when you started watching it because they give you a pretty good rundown. So it's just a really nice, nicely done movie that doesn't give you too much to... It's not sickly. It's not overly violent. It's exactly the right amount of violence that I think you would want if you were in this position. Um, so, you know, yeah, I actually enjoyed it. So... Get on it, have a watch. 
hopefully this audio comes through a lot clearer than it normally does. And uh, as always, thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.